According to the legend, Slender Man can stretch or shorten his arms at will and has tentacle-like appendages protruding from his back. His presence can cause memory loss, insomnia, paranoia, nosebleeds, and coughing fits. Whenever the Slender Man appears, children are abducted. They say he lures them into the woods, then controls their mind and forces them to walk into his outstretched arms. They are never seen again. A series of woodcuts were found in Germany. They date back to the 16th century and feature a tall man with no face. His name, Der Grossmann. According to the inscriptions, he is a mythical creature who lives in the Black Forest and creeps out in the woods at night to spirit away bad children. An old German journal dated 1702 contains a chilling account. My child, my Lars, he is gone, taken from his bed. All that was left was a scrap of black clothing. Lars came running into my bedroom yesterday, screaming at the top of his lungs. The tall man is outside, he cried. When I asked him what he was talking about, he told me Der Grossmann. He said he went into the groves by our village and found out one of my cows was dead. Its carcass was hanging from a tree. I thought nothing of it at first, but now my poor Lars is gone. We must find him and leave this place before we are killed. I am sorry, my son. I should have listened to you. May God forgive me. Another account was found in a book of collected folklore concerning supernatural creatures. When I was younger, a cousin of mine came to live with us. He was older than me and my sisters, maybe 16 or 17. We were the only family he had left in the world. He was the worst liar you'd ever meet. Anything he'd tell you was a lie. I liked him all right. We slept in a loft during the summer because it was cooler up there. Me and him. And in the winters we slept on the floor closer to the stove. My sisters had their own room. So one night my cousin wakes me up by punching me in the shoulder. And it's summer so we're in the loft. And my first thought when he wakes me up is just to push him out. Because I'm not happy at being waked up, you know. But before I can say anything... He puts his hand over my mouth, and even though it's dark, I can hear that he's scared. Listen, he says. So I listen real careful. It's the scratching, like something on the roof. And the roof is right over our heads, mind you. Because we're in the loft. I was rattled, but I wasn't having none of it. So, I says to him, it's just some raccoon or cat. No, says John. I heard it before when I waked you up. It's like footsteps, like someone's walking up there. I wasn't taking no truck with that. I told you he was the awfulest liar, so I went back to sleep. But the next day, my cousin tried to tell Pop about it, and Pop wasn't having no truck with it either. But one night later on, while we was all having supper, Pop sent out my youngest sister to fetch water from the pump we had. After a while, we heard Lily scream. And it was Ma who got up first, and then Pop. Soon enough, though, we heard Pop and Ma shouting, too. So me and John went out to see if they needed our help. All they had was the water pail Lily carried out, and there was no other sign of her. At first, I didn't understand what was going on, with both Ma and Pop shouting, and by the time my other sisters came out and started crying, and my cousin was just standing there in the yard looking off towards something. It's the man walking yonder, he yells. As he's pointing across the field, no one's listening to him but me, and he keeps saying it. 
It's the man walking yonder. It's the man walking yonder. You already know it was supper time, so you know the sun was setting and it was hard to see. But when I looked out over that field, at the back of the house, the whole thing was lit up orange. And there was a row of big black trees. That was the edge of the woods, you know? And I swear to you that I saw one of them trees move, like a man walking away. But it couldn't have been a man, because there ain't no man that tall and skinny. Papa seen it too, I think. He took us inside and locked all the doors, and he made us keep still while he got out his rifle. We waited like all that night, Ma crying the whole time. When the sun came up, we took a wagon into town and told folks what happened. Though as I recall, nothing much came of it. John ran off a few weeks later, and we got a new house closer to the mill where Papa worked. I still can't manage to look at the trees during sunset though, especially not on windy days when they all move back and forth like a man walking away. The following is a witness account of an encounter with the Slender Man. After waking up with a jolt, the girl laid in bed a few seconds longer, reaching over to switch on her bedside lamp. She tried to remember exactly what stole in her sweet slumber away. When she couldn't, the brunette swung her legs over the side of the bed and heaved herself up, checking the time on her phone. She snorted when she saw it was midnight, the witching hour. Knowing that sleep would only evade her, she left her bedroom for the kitchen, a good cup of coffee on her mind. As she passed by her front door, a chill ran down her spine. It's only winter, she told herself, focusing again on the coffee plan. Measuring out scoops, water, and preparing her cup kept her occupied. But as the dark liquid boiled, she had nothing left to keep her mind from wandering off. The chill returned as she couldn't help but glance behind her to the front door. It stood there innocently enough, just like always. The deadbolt was still in place and she could see nothing amiss with it. Turning back to her coffee, she did her best to forget about the feeling. With her cup in hand, she started back towards her bedroom. She walked by the front door. She decided that a quick glance at the people would calm her down. The chill worsened with each step she took towards the door and further away from the safety and warmth of her blankets. She pressed her empty hand against the cold metal door and took a deep breath before leading her eye to the peephole. At first she could only see inky blackness and somehow seemed to swirl itself inside. When she blinked in surprise, the void melted away. She wished it hadn't. In its place, there stood what she could only guess was once a man. The limbs were long and inhumanly awkward, with bulky joints branching off into several arms, not unlike the branches of a tree. The creature was draped in a black suit, somehow making the thing more nightmares to her. The icing on the proverbial cake, however, was what was past as the hellish thing's face. It was as though her mind blurred the ghastly visage to spare itself further shock and horror. She shoved herself away from the door with the hand still pressed against it. The scalding mug of coffee fell, the liquid burning her bare legs as she fell backwards and tried to crawl away from the door. She knew somehow that her mind hadn't been playing tricks on her. As she crab walked away from the door, she watched as tendrils as black as the void itself snake around through the cracks. The girl was trapped between the instinct to flee and the gut feeling not to turn her back on the door. When the door jolted, the urge to flee overcame her and she slipped in the burning liquid as she tried to make it back to her room. 
She knew deep down that she was trapping herself in a corner, but she had to get away from the door. The girl was halfway down the hallway when she heard the previously locked door creep open. She screamed and slipped into the wall, cracking her chin on it and stunning her. After that, there was only blackness. Nicole, a warm male voice snapped the woman out of her trance. As she turned around, she was met by one of her sister's doctors. She nodded, but not sure if she should say anything, or even if she could find her voice, if she did have something to say. That morning, she had gotten an urgent phone call from the hospital saying that her sister Lindsay was there. Before they had even let her see her, the doctor had pulled her off to the side and insisted they talk to her about what might have happened. Phrases like self-inflicted and assault had been thrown around and Nicole felt her mind reel. She still hadn't fully understood what they had been saying until she saw Lindsay with her own eyes. Her little sister had a bandage wrapped around her head, covering both of her ears as well as her eyes. They said it was to keep her now deadened eyes from drying out and to try to keep infection out of the wounds Lindsay had made to her ears. The doctor had guessed that either she or someone had jammed a pencil into them to keep her off balance or to deafen herself against something. There was the mix of first and second degree burns on her hands, legs and feet from what was assumed to be the coffee. As Nicole walked into her sister's hospital room for the first time, she thought she had spied the silhouette of a man in a window that she knew was impossible. You see, her sister's room was on the third story of the hospital. 